Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. And today we're kicking off a brand new series, a brand new series answering some really tough questions. Come on, it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna talk about some biblical questions. We're gonna talk about some cultural tough questions. You're not gonna wanna miss next week. Pastor Mike's gonna be back and he's gonna be answering those, some of those cultural questions. But I think questions are a big deal, especially in my house. I have four kids. I have a girl and three boys. And I get questions all the time. We just got back from a trip. We are driving. Anybody wanna guess the question that I was asked five minutes down the road? Are we there yet? Over and over again, five minutes later, are we there yet? They're gonna keep asking a question. Now, I wanna show you a picture of three of my kids. Now I have an older girl, Myla, and then I have these three boys right here. So I have, I know, aren't they handsome? I just love them. That's River, the tallest. Um, The middle one is Briggs, not in the middle, but the one, what is that? To your left, (laughs) right there, that's Briggs, he's five. And the one in the middle is the baby, he's Chapel, he's two. And so we, they love to have fun. They are competitive. There's a lot of wrestling at my house. It's a lot of fun, a lot of questions. Uh, We were out at the ball field a couple weeks ago and this little girl came up to me. She had been playing with my two-year-old, Chapel, and she said, your little boy is so cute. He is so cute. Well, Briggs, my five-year-old, was standing right there and he put this smirk on his face and he said, which one? They are always looking to compete and always asking questions. And I thought that was a really good question. You know, I Googled this week the four most asked questions on Google. I wanted to know what are the four most or what are the most asked questions on Google? And so it gave me the top four. You wanna hear what they are? It's pretty amazing. Okay, so the third question ever asked um, or most important, not most important, most asked question, I'm gonna get this right in a second is what time is it? It's a good question, right? But it kind of puzzles me because wouldn't you have a device that you were asking it on so you'd be able to see that time? I, I don't understand. Anybody ever ask what time is it? I won't judge, I won't judge. Okay, oh dear, <laughs> there are some people. Okay, you wanna know the fourth most asked question on Google that starts with the word what? You ready for this one? This one surprised me. It's what do men want? Who is asking that? We all know what they want. They want to talk about their feelings, right? At the end of a long, long day, they want to talk for a very long time, right? Okay, that's the fourth. The number one most asked question. You ready for this? This one surprised me too. I've never asked this. Was what is my IP address? I... I, number one, most asked question that starts with what? What is my IP address? Now, the second most asked question is what is love? Now, I will say this. I don't know technology well, but I asked around an IP address is a set of numbers that is attached to a device that helps it to connect. So isn't it interesting that the first two questions, the most asked questions on Google, one is related to location. The second is related to love. Do you wanna know the first question that was asked in the Bible? Very first question. God asked a question to Adam. 
He said, where are you? Where are you? And that's a question I want us to answer today. Where are you? Where are you as it pertains to salvation? So the question we're gonna be asking today is what does God say about salvation? What does God say about salvation? Now you might be new to church, you might be watching online for the first time, welcome. And you may say, okay, hey, that word, I've heard it, but what does that mean? It is the moment that we are forgiven of our sins, restored in our relationship with God, and we decide to follow Jesus. And you know, as I begin to ask this question to myself the last couple weeks, what does God say about salvation? Now, I've been a Christian. I decided to follow Jesus at seven. And as I was studying over the last couple weeks, I realized I need to be reminded what salvation is. I need to know. And so today, that's what we're gonna dive into. We're gonna answer that question. You may ask yourself, is it a prayer that I pray? Is it whether I'm doing the right things? Maybe I've, I've, I've checked all the things on the checklist. Is that what it is? Maybe you're watching online and you say, am I saved? I'm wondering, is that me? You know, I think we have to start before we answer the question, what does God say? We have to know why. You ever been around somebody who doesn't even know they need help? And you're like, hey, I'm gonna tell you. Well, we need salvation, amen? We need him. I think we have to start with God when answering the question why. God is just, he's fair, he's perfect, he's holy. And the scriptures say, be holy for I am holy. He's fair, I love the way Paul said it. Paul said, you know what? If he was not fair, then he would not be qualified to judge the entire world. He has to be fair. Anybody in here have disobedient kids? <laughs> okay, y'all's kids are better than mine. Anybody, you don't have kids, but you are a disobedient kid. Okay, <laughs> then we're all on the same level playing field here. Well, there are times when I am talking to my kids and they're not being perfect angels. I mean, you saw the picture, they're smiling in that picture. Probably right before that picture, I was going, don't touch that, do not get dirt on your knees. Stand up. We were having that come to Jesus moment, right? There is moments of disobedience. My oldest daughter, Myla, she's eight. And every time she disobeys, there's this conflict within me. This conflict that says, I love you, but I don't wanna punish you. It hurts. It hurts me. You know how your parents said, they said, my mom and dad, were, they said this all the time. It hurts me more than it hurts you. It does not, mom. <laughs> I have tried my hardest not to say that to my kids, but it does hurt. If you're a mom, if you're a dad in here, you know. There's this conflict within you. Because you love them, you don't wanna punish them. But because you love them, you want to discipline them because you don't want them to grow not knowing the way they should live. It's in you. And this is God. He, he designed us. He created us for free will. And what did we choose? We chose sin. It separated us from God. So his answer was Jesus. And for the first time on a cross, it was a moment where God's justice, his fairness, met his mercy. The sin had to be punished because he's a fair God. You know, we just celebrated Easter and what took place on the cross and resurrection. That happened so that we could have a relationship with the Father. So when we're answering the question, 
Why do we need salvation? We need salvation because God is just and sin separates us from God. You know, years ago, before I was married, I, we were at a birthday party and we were celebrating a friend of mine, her name was Kelly. And we ate our food, we were laughing, and then my date and I, we decide we're gonna leave. And we're in the car driving home and it dawns on me, I realize, um, who paid for the meal? Y'all, I was, I was scared. I, I, of course, my date paid for the meal. So I turned around, I'm like, hey, did you, did you pay for the meal? And he goes, no, I thought the birthday party paid for the meal. I am freaking out at this moment. You, I, I'm in trouble, I did something wrong, I just stole. This is bad. So I call my friend Kelly and I'm like, hey Kelly, I am so sorry. I, I did not pay for the meal. Now this party was filled with so many friends and in fact, my husband now, his name is Andy, he was at the party, okay? And so I, I told her, hey, I'm so sorry, who paid for our meal? You know who paid for our meal? Andy, my, my husband now. We, we laugh and say that that was our first date. He paid for me and this other guy to eat at a birthday party, it was amazing. He's an awesome guy. You know, I thought about that. He paid the price for my meal before I said yes to him. He paid the cost before I would even say yes. Romans 5 verse eight says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. So why do we need salvation? God is just, he's fair. And sin separates us from God. I don't wanna be separated from God. Anybody else in here? Don't wanna be separated from God. So to answer the question, what does God say about salvation? I wanna share two conversations that Jesus had. This question came up a lot. As Jesus was here on earth, this question came up a lot. And the first conversation I want us to look at is found in John chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna look at John chapter three. I'm gonna give you a little background. In Jesus' day, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they were looking for a savior. They had read from the prophets and they were waiting for the Messiah to come. But their idea of the Messiah coming was to save them from earthly things. They wanted a Messiah that was gonna come and save them from Roman rule. And so they were looking. And at this point, Jesus has arrived and he's performing miracles and people are starting to notice this man is different, something's different about him. And there was a group of people that really took notice and that was the Pharisees. And this was a group of Jews, they were teachers or rabbis and they knew the law. They could quote the scriptures. They knew everything about the law to a T and they made sure everyone else knew the law. And so this passage is Nicodemus who was a Pharisee and we're gonna see what he asked Jesus or what he talks to Jesus about. Picking up in verse one, it says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things. So here's Nicodemus, a respected Pharisee. In fact, a leader of the Pharisees. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He is coming to Jesus at night. He's probably a little embarrassed and doesn't want anyone else to see, all of his friends, that he is coming to a man to ask some questions. He's going at night. He's putting his reputation on the line. But you know, I sense this sincerity about Nicodemus because he truly wasn't coming to test Jesus like many of the Pharisees did in the Bible. He was coming with this heart of understanding. You know what he asked? He said, or he said, I know that you come from God. He made this bold statement. And then does anybody else think it's funny that Jesus like skips the small talk and goes straight into answering his question? Nicodemus doesn't even have time to ask a question. You know those people that you're, you're, or you maybe have been in this position where you have to have a hard conversation with somebody and you're trying to think, how do I start this? You pick up the phone, you're like, how's your day going? And then you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I turn this corner to say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. But Jesus kind of takes all of that out and he's like, hey, you must be born again. Whoa, whoa we're going in deep. You want me to climb into my mother's womb again and be born again? I mean, this is crazy, right? Nicodemus is asking all these questions. Because if you think about it, Nicodemus comes from a group of people that just knew, hey, we are Jews and therefore we are automatically in the kingdom of God. Because we are sons of Abraham, we are in the kingdom. We get to go to heaven if we do what is right. If we follow the law. You see, they taught this works-based idea that if you do good, you will inherit the kingdom. So you could say Nicodemus had a resume, this list of things, or even you could say he was building a resume. And I don't know where you are today, but if, if you're like me, there are times where I feel like I've got to make up for the wrong that I've done. I've got to build this resume this list of things. In fact, I need to check some boxes. I've done this. I went to church today. I read my Bible today. Then God, I deserve your love. And here is Nicodemus building this resume. You know, Jesus often talked to people with a resume. If you read in scripture, there's one in particular that's found in multiple gospels, but there's the story of the rich man. And the rich man comes to Jesus and he says, What good deed must I do to inherit the kingdom? He's saying, what does God say about salvation? What do I need to do? And Jesus says, there's only one good. There's only one perfect. There's only one good. But to answer your question, since you're coming at me like that, you're asking me what good deed? Well, then follow all the rules. Follow all the commandments he tells him all these things and, and, and the rich man says, well, I've done that. Check, check, check. I've done all of that. And Jesus says, well, sell everything you have. Do you know, that's, the man, he couldn't do it. He walked away. 
I don't think Jesus was saying, and I, I could be wrong, I don't think Jesus was saying, hey, give up everything. What he was trying to prove is, you don't follow the rules because you don't love me with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you did, you would give up everything. It's not about you checking the boxes. It is impossible for you to do enough good things to deserve the love of the Father. The only good is Jesus. Jesus is the way. And Nicodemus in this passage was doing what we do. He was saying, it can't be that simple. It can't be that simple. There's gotta be something I can do. You know, there's gotta be a performance rating that I can get. You know, we almost see our lives on this scale. Maybe you're not like me. This is sometimes what I'm guilty of doing. And if I do something bad, I'm going down the scale. Or even if I look at somebody, you know, next to me, and I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm a little, little better than that. Going back up. I did something good going up. I served at um, Second Mile Saturday. This is great. I'm, I'm going up the scale. And then um, I almost stole from a restaurant and didn't pay after the meal. Going back down. But you know what Jesus was teaching here? There is, there is no scale. You have Jesus, you have salvation. You don't have Jesus, you don't have salvation. There's only one good. There's only one good. And, and we try to build this resume. We, we miss it. We look at the cross as something we've got to work to deserve. But look what the word says in Ephesians chapter two. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Come on, we're his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Did you catch the order? Didn't say, hey, do good and then there's a gift. It said there's a gift. You know, this isn't Santa Claus theology here. You know, he's got a list and he's checking it twice. Gonna find out if you're naughty or you're nice, right? That's not the way God works. He is saying it's a gift. It's given to you, not according to what you've done or you'd take credit for it. Look what I did. Not so we can boast. We are his masterpiece. You know, I believe this with my whole heart. We don't work to gain love. He loves us. He loves us and that makes us want to work. That's the order. That's what we've got to get in us. You know, I'm always trying to fix my own errors. I'm always trying to fix my mistakes. Years ago, I was, tra I was traveling to the kids' school to drop them off. And for a split second, I looked down. And when I looked up, I hit the back of the car in front of me. I know, it was awful. Those are those moments where you're like, can I just take that back? Can we go five seconds back? I'll look up, I promise. And, and the guy immediately gets out of his car. His hands are in the air. I'm not gonna repeat what he was saying. And he is mad. But I'm looking at the bumper. It's not that bad. We were barely moving. I'm, I'm a little freaking out. I feel bad. So I just tell him, hey, if you will, we're in traffic. Just pull over to this gas station. I'll give you all my information. I am so sorry. And he's not paying attention to me. And he just gets back in the car and drives. We get to the gas station and guess what? He does not pull over. So now I'm like, okay, maybe you didn't like that gas station. 
Maybe there's not enough parking spots there. Okay, we're gonna go to the next. So we get to the next shopping center and he still doesn't pull over. And I'm like, okay, okay, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I am, I am going to have something on my record that says I hit someone and ran. This is not good. I am freaking out at this moment. You know, I'm thinking, was he intimidated by me? Am I scary? Like he doesn't want to stop and talk to me. This is weird. So I am following this guy, y'all, for miles. <laughs> I've got to fix my wrong. I've got to fix what I did wrong. And I, he's not stopping. And so I call, call my husband. He doesn't answer. He was in a meeting. I call another friend of mine. I'm like, hey, what do I do? And he goes, Marla, stop. The guy could be this dangerous man. Like, stop. And I'm like, no, 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 I have to fix this. So what do I do? I, I, I call the police on myself. <laughs> I, I can't have this on my record that, hey, she hit me, she ran. I am gonna tell on myself. So I was like, hey, um, I hit a car um, and they, I hit them and they drove off. What do I do? You know what she did? She laughed at me. I don't know if she's ever had anyone call about that. She laughed at me, but I'm always trying to fix my errors. I'm always trying to make things right. And you know what? This moment where we give our heart to Jesus, where we are saved, where we commit our life to Jesus, it's all because of what he did, not what we've done. And just like he was telling Nicodemus here, it's a process. The wind comes and we don't know it's coming, but we see the effects. A life that is devoted to Jesus, there should be fruit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in our heart when we give our heart to Jesus and there is fruit that is produced. There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. There's these things that start to come out of us that, that grows us. You know, it's a masterpiece, right? So, Salvation isn't the end, it's the beginning. Can you, can you imagine if Andy decides the day he proposed to me, he says, hey Marla, will you marry me? And I say, yes. Can you imagine if we just walked away from there? Never to talk to each other again. Yes, let's get married. What if we made it to the wedding and we said yes, I pronounce you husband and wife, you may kiss the bride. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy and Marla Stroop, See ya. Bye. But that's the way sometimes we treat this word salvation. And when I read in scripture, God says that this is something that he starts in us and he continues to do the work in us. It's not the end, it's the beginning, amen? So he wants, and I believe this strongly, he wants to grow our resume. He does. But not with a list of what you've done, with a list of what he's done. So maybe you say here, okay, I get the building your resume and trying to do the right things, but I'm no Nicodemus. In fact, if you only knew, I don't even know the law. I know I've broken it. I'm far from it. Instead of a resume, you may say, hey, I have a rap sheet. I've got a list of things that if you only knew. Well, one chapter later, one chapter later, John chapter four, if you wanna go there with me, we're gonna read. Jesus stops at a well in Samaria. He talked to Nicodemus, the Pharisee. Now he's stopping at a well. The Jewish people hated the Samaritans. 
In those days, they were the lowest of lows. Look what happens at this encounter. John chapter four, verse nine says, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks the water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Come on, he is telling all of her business. It is out there. Do you know, she was at the well at this time of day because she was avoiding people. She was hiding from her past. Here he is going from Pharisee, teacher of religious law, to now he's meeting with a Samaritan woman. You know, when the, when the disciples came back, they asked, why are you speaking to her? Do, do you know who that is? Do you know who she is? Jesus just wasn't just talking to her. He was offering her eternal life. This is the Jesus who decided, hey, I'm gonna tell her I'm the Messiah. If you read on in scripture, he tells her, I am the Messiah, and she goes on to tell everyone. It says, if you only knew the gift God has for you. If you only knew. This gift was for her, even though he knew everything about her. This was his gift. Can you imagine if you're at Circle K and you're going to get a fountain drink? You got one of those big cups, you're one of those big old cups. And you are at the dispenser and this man walks up behind you and he says, if you drink that, you'll be thirsty again. You look at the cup and you're like, I don't know. And he says, no, 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 what I have to give you is, is gonna fulfill you. And then he starts to tell you everything that you've done. In circle K, if it was me, I'd be like, please stop. Shh. Start reading the list. I believe with my, all my heart, Jesus was saying, I know you. I know everything about you. He wasn't trying to rub her sin in her face. He was saying, I know that and still I came for you. I am the Messiah and I have come for you. Look at Romans 3, 21. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. It's impossible. So I'm gonna show you a way. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace, everybody sinned, you, me, everyone. Yet God in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through your good works? No. He did this through the check marks that you cross off? 
No, He did this through Jesus Christ when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. You know, many times throughout scripture, Jesus would heal someone and then He would tell them, hey, keep this between me and you, don't tell anybody. And I always wondered why, why did He do that? And I, I think he was trying to not create this uproar so he could continue with his mission. But here at the moment of the well, he does not tell her that. And it made me start to wonder, why does he not tell her that? Because this is why he came. You see, often we're looking for, for Jesus to heal the temporary things in our life. That's why when he healed people, he started with, your sins are forgiven often. Because he was talking about a kingdom that we can't see. This question, what does God say about salvation is an important question that we should ask ourselves. And hey, maybe you've been in church for a long time. It's a question you need to be familiar with so you can do what she did. She said, hey, come, let me tell you about a man who told me everything I've ever done. And still, he loves me. You know, Paul did the same thing. Paul, this man who was a Jewish leader, who started persecuting those who believed in Jesus. He thought he was building a resume, but instead he was building this rap sheet. He was hurting people in the name of God. And then he experiences Jesus, he meets Jesus. And look at 1 Timothy, a letter he wrote to Timothy. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, verse 15, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. This is a man who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He said, I'm the worst of them all, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Come on, there's somebody in here today that God wants to use you. You think, I've got this rap sheet, but God wants to use that to say, hey, if God can save him, if God can save her, then he can save me too. Why did Jesus go to the Pharisee? Why did Jesus go to the Samaritan woman? He was showing, I come for you. I came to seek and save that which was lost. So it doesn't matter if you have a resume, or a rap sheet, Jesus is the way. It doesn't matter if you've collected these things or you're trying to make up for the things that you've done wrong. Maybe you've been in church your whole life and you say, hey, I, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to make up for my past. Whether you're building a resume like Nicodemus, Jesus is the way, or you're like the Samaritan woman. I've built this past. Jesus, if you only knew. If you only knew the things that I had done. Jesus is the way. You know, this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus, it ends with Nicodemus hearing about a story he was really familiar with. Jesus tells him a story about Moses. And he tells him in verse 13, this conversation continues and it includes one of the most quoted scriptures. It's that he said, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the son of man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him 
will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus connected with Nicodemus because he told this story that Nicodemus was familiar with. He told him of the time that the Israelites were in the wilderness and and they received judgment for their sins. They were complaining. And these snakes were all throughout the camp and people were dying, they were sick. And God tells Moses, if you'll go create a bronze snake and place it on a stick and hold it up. This is crazy, but he said to do it. And Moses did it. If you'll hold it up, anyone in the camp who looks upon this, anyone on the camp who looks upon this bronze snake, this representation of their sin, they'll be healed. And then he said, and so this must happen to the son of man also, that I will be lifted up on a stick, on a cross, and that anyone who looks, anyone who sees, the judgment poured out, Jesus representing our sins. If anyone who looks, if we believe and we confess with our mouth, they will be saved. Anyone. You know what he was saying? He was saying whether you have a resume, whether you followed all the rules, or whether you have a rap sheet, I came for you. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.